You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to recap free agency. We're also going to look at the trade this offseason from the Winnipeg Jets. I know there has been a couple. So we're going to take a look at all of that and more on today's show. All right, so starting things off, Kyle, uh, before free agency got underway, the Winnipeg Jets made a pretty big deal in what a lot of people were saying was an attempt to re-sign Paul Stastny. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with kind of everything that led up to free agency and then the actual free agency period. Uh, The big move, obviously, the one that we're talking about, the Winnipeg Jets traded Joel Armia, Steve Mason, a seventh-round pick this next draft, and then a fourth-round pick in 2020 to the Montreal Canadiens for defensive prospect Simon Bork. Uh, your initial thoughts, uh, what did you think when you first uh, heard about this? Well, this is a big deal in, in Jets camp, but maybe not a big deal across the league, not huge names going back and forth. Obviously, Steve Mason, uh, the big one here, um, but Joel Armia maybe being the best player in this deal. Uh, we're seeing Montreal actually waived Steve Mason shortly after trading for him, so they don't even own him anymore. Uh, Joel Armia pretty much a centerpiece of this deal. Uh, but when I first heard the news... It, it was almost expected in a sense. Um, the Winnipeg Jets were supposedly front runners to land Paul Stastny on July 1st. To do that, they needed to have some sort of cap space being brought in from somewhere, whether it be Tyler Myers, Steve Mason, Kulikov. Somebody was going to have to be moved, and it was Steve Mason kind of being the casualty here. And the only way to get Montreal to take Steve Mason was to give up an RFA like Joel Armia uh, to give up some sort of asset to, to get rid of Mason, essentially. So I thought it was a good move by Dayoff At that time, it was a great move to free up some cap space, and that was the only way that Stastny would fit on July 1st. I was kind of surprised, actually. It's not something we've ever really seen from the Winnipeg Jets, giving up an asset in order to get rid of a bad contract. The Jets haven't had a ton of bad contracts since they've come back to Winnipeg, and I'm sure you could argue that there have been some that haven't been great. But for the most part, anytime they've got a guy they want to get rid of, they've been able to deal him away without having to give something up as well as the player with the bad contract. And it's kind of interesting the way teams do this, uh, the, the salary dump, getting rid of a bad player, with a bad contract. Most times, these players aren't bad. They're just not necessarily worth the money that they're getting. So a team with lots of cap space could keep them because a lot of times they're adequate players better than a cheaper option, but just not necessarily worth the money. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Because if you look at Laurent Brassois, who the Jets signed, and we'll get to that a little bit later, Steve Mason's a better goalie than he is. But when you look at how much they're getting paid... You'd rather have Brassois, probably, than Steve Mason just because of the savings. Well, exactly. And, and for Montreal as well, after that trade is done, well, could have could Montreal have kept Steve Mason? Well, well, yeah. There's no reason not to. Obviously, he'd be the backup to Carey Price there, but he could be a serviceable backup, assuming he kind of rebounds from this past year. But once again, if you're paying Carey Price in the 6 to $7 million range, you're paying now Steve Mason in the over $4 million range, you have $10 million just in your goalies. And, and yeah, Montreal's not a cap team, but it still weighs um, on your team. So that's why they bought him out. Simple as that, and away you go. Now, the Jets were able to get rid of him completely, like his contract. They didn't have to keep any of it or anything like that. Plus, it was only a one-season deal that he had, or one year left that he had on it. But giving up Armia, when really everybody in Winnipeg, you get attached to your players. Guys you've seen for a few years. But let's be real here. Joel Armia isn't a huge piece. He hasn't really... Yes, he had a great season this last year for his standards, but he didn't even have 30 points. He had, I think, what, 12 goals? He's not blowing anybody away with his numbers. 
so I think it's not a huge loss for the Jets. A fourth-round pick is a decent return, and a seventh-round pick is almost nothing. So really, they're not giving up a ton. Uh, and then getting Simon Bork, I think that's kind of just an afterthought. He pro- He's not going to crack the NHL this year. Well, no, he, he's a sixth-round pick, 177th overall back in 2015. Uh, he played for Ramuski and St. John in junior. Put up decent points in junior. He's a left-handed uh, defenseman. He was nearly a point a game in his last two seasons, or his last season, sorry, in junior. Uh, but then he moved to the AHL last season. He only had three points in 46 games. Uh, massed about, I think, 28, 30 penalty minutes around there. Uh, so he's not a huge scorer, at least not at the AHL level. But he he did a little bit in junior. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. He, he's still a young guy, only drafted three years ago. He definitely has room to develop. Whether or not he ever makes the Jets, well, that'll be years down the road. If he does, I, I don't think he ever will necessarily. Um, but regardless, it, it's still a decent... Um, pickup. It's a guy who at least can play at the AHL level going forward for the Manitoba Moose. Uh, the one thing I didn't like about this deal, yes, the Winnipeg Jets freed up cap space, but Mason was almost the guy that you wanted to keep, if any, because the Winnipeg Jets uh, had a little bit of cap issues this year, but next year they're going to have even more, and Mason's off the books next year because he only had one year left on his deal, so you're giving up a, a restricted free agent in Armia to get rid of a contract only for one more season. And yes, at the time you did it specifically to, to make room for Stastny, but now that Stastny doesn't re-sign, well, now you left, you got rid of Armia essentially for nothing because you're not going to be right to the cap. And so really, the Winnipeg Jets got a little bit worse. Most teams, like, you kind of shake your head and you kind of go the yes, no kind of nod, I see, and obviously I have to describe it because nobody can see your reaction. But the Jets didn't get better with that trade. They got a little bit more cap space, but they didn't spend that cap space. And so with that trade, it didn't improve the Jets club heading into this next season. Well, no, technically with the trade, it didn't. But if you use that $4 million for something. Yes, if it gets used for something. And and Armia's was... It makes it better maybe along the road because you can keep some. Well, Armia was due to make about one and a half, probably one and a half million dollars. Kind of speculation, not sure what he's going to sign for. Plus Steve Mason. So that's five and a half million dollars for a player. So if the Jets sign somebody for two, three million dollars for a one-year deal, it, it, they definitely could come out ahead. But at that time, technically, yes, the Winnipeg Jets got worse purely from the trade. Well, and the other thing though is too, and I saw Tony made a nice list online about players who the Winnipeg Jets should get rid of, and he mentioned uh, Kulikov, and I, I think he mentioned Kulikov, Myers, Mason. And also uh, Armia. He said the Jets should get rid of Armia because he's due for a raise and would save a little bit of money. So not only did you get Mason, but you also got Armia with his potential raise off the books as well. And I think that's something that people don't necessarily think about when they saw that Armia left. Technically, that's two contracts off the books where the Jets are saving money. And so now there is one other trade that the Jets did. Uh, Nicholas Cardillis for Chase DeLeo. So DeLeo going to Anaheim, Cardillis coming to Winnipeg. Your thoughts on that one? Not a earth-shattering trade by any means. No, exactly. It's another minor league deal. Uh, DeLeo not really in the Winnipeg Jets plans anymore. He he almost was at one point, thinking back to a couple years ago. It was a guy who put up half-decent points in, in junior he was expected to play maybe a couple seasons with the Moose and be a, a fringe NHL player. Uh, never really turned out, so kind of just a new uh, change of scenery for him, uh, bringing in the other guy here. So I don't think it'll impact the Jets, probably not for a few years down the road. Yeah, and I think for most people around the league, they'd see those two names and they'd be like, who? And then they would just carry on their business. Guys that are, again, borderline, basically AHL players. And so now with those trades made, 
Winnipeg Jets headed into free agency on July 1. So July 1 hits. That's when everybody starts signing contracts. The Winnipeg Jets missing out on Paul Stastny. And it's so funny the way things go with so many insiders, and I use air quotes, where people are saying, yep, Paul Stastny, Jets have freed up space, looks like they're going to get Stastny, and then all of a sudden the last minute, whoosh, in comes Vegas and out goes our center that I think everybody was expecting. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly things change. And if you remember back to the trade deadline this past season, Stastny was brought in. And at that time, it was essentially a pure rental move. When he was initially brought in, nobody really expected Stastny to stay longer than the playoff run. He was expected to, because he was a free agent, sign elsewhere in the offseason. Speculation was he might go back to St. Louis. He might test free agency, whatever the case may be. Then all of a sudden, when Stastny fit really well, the Jets were like, hey, what if we hung on to this guy that could play second-line center to Mark Shifley? Would this work? And they had some previous interest in him as well, reportedly. It, exactly. So all of a sudden it shifts to now the Winnipeg Jets want him, and then there was even the insider saying Winnipeg Jets are the front runners to land Stastny on July 1st. That was as early as two days before July 1st. And then all of a sudden on July 1st, when you can sign deals, Vegas swoops in, scoops him up, and that's that. And the say goes over. So looking at that, he signed a three-year deal which I was surprised at. That was my biggest surprise for the deal. Uh, $6.5 million per season. Obviously, the Winnipeg Jets can't afford 6.5. We just talked earlier, they cleared about $5.5 million of space. That extra million dollars is going to be huge, especially when you're looking at the other RFAs, Hellebuck, Truba, so on. We've done plenty of podcasts about the cap crunch, many articles online. Check it out at jetsnation.ca. Um, but the Jets can't afford that $6.5 million per season. No, and that's exactly the biggest thing. Yes, you want Stastny on your team, and we've talked a lot about it on this podcast and on other shows about the way players decline, how into their 30s, mid-30s, players really drop off, and by the end of those contracts, when they're about 35, you're really not getting the production, the bang for your buck. And with the Jets on the cap crunch, you don't want them at six and a half. You really want a two-year deal at about five and a half. That's really comparable. And I know uh, some people were talking, actually, I heard, and I kind of found it surprising. Just kind of looking at the numbers between Stastny and uh, Brian Little. Uh, Stastny's numbers over the last three seasons, he had 49 points, 40 points, and then 53. And that was split between St. Louis and Winnipeg. He had a really good end of the season in Winnipeg. Brian Little, over that exact same span, had 42 47, and 43. Really, between those two players, their numbers actually very similar. Now, Little maybe hasn't been as dynamic as Paul Stastny did when he came to Winnipeg, but really, when you look over the body of the work for that period of time, the last three seasons, uh, they actually have similar numbers. And now, uh, for Paul Stastny, he's only been playing 60, not even quite 70 games over that span, but Brian Little actually comparable numbers. Brian Little hasn't even been playing 60 games over the last three seasons, except for this last season when he had played at full 82. But basically my point here is just that somebody compared the two, and the numbers were actually comparable. And so I think maybe the Jets just need to be happy with Brian Little, maybe give him a little bit more of a chance again. I don't know, maybe see if he can find the right kind of wingers, see if he can find some chemistry again. But I think the Winnipeg Jets now don't need to go and sign somebody like Paul Stastny because they lost out on those sweepstakes. Yeah, the the real issue, I think, with Brian Little was kind of how his play has dropped off. Because if you look at this last season, like you said, his numbers are not bad. Well, he had 47 points in 59 games two seasons ago. So last year he scores 43 points. Well, that's not too bad. 
But how many games did it take him? Well, a, a full, full 82. 82. Yeah. So that's the problem. He paid, played 20 more games, had four less points. And I think that's the issue for Brian Little is that he's seemingly starting to slow down. And yeah, he's getting over that 30 um, age mark. So that's, I think, the only problem with Brian Little is that we've that's seen a, that decrease already. I think that's just a one. I, I would like to say that that's just an aberration because if you look at the trend prior to that, it's not, it's not like it's been a slow decline. The guy had 64 points in a full season. That was the last time he played a full season, 2013-14. Then he had 52 points. He had 42 points in much less games, similar points per game ratio. Then he had 47. He actually got better and a better points per game ratio. And then he dropped off slightly this last season. Yes, I understand that. But how old is he now? Uh, he was gonna. He's gonna be the same age as uh, he's thirty years old. He was exactly. born in eighty-seven. Exactly. So now he is thirty, and, and that's maybe kind of the start of the decline. But Stastny's two years older. Yes, I understand that, but he hasn't started his decline yet. They're different players, and yes, they score the same amount of points maybe in the last couple of seasons. But if you look at a guy who has started declining at age thirty. Maybe it's a one-off, and that's what all Jets fans are hoping, compared to Stastny, who hasn't really hit that decline yet. But you could argue that Stastny has been declining. He had 60 points in 2013-14. The next year, in the same amount of games, he had 46. I get get it that it's moving teams to St. Louis, but he's going to a a good team in St. Louis. Then he had 49, and then he dropped down to 40-40 in St. Louis in similar amount of games. So, like, he has dropped as well. It's only... In when's coming to Winnipeg, that his numbers really boosted when he was playing with Ehlers in line. A. Yes, and so, exactly. Yes. So they are both declining players. The problem with me for Brian Little is his contract right now it is a long time. It's another five seasons. So he's going to be 35 as well by the end of it. So that's my issue here. If he has started declining, if he hasn't started declining as a one-off, we're totally fine. He can still be your second-line center. If next season does not go well for Brian Little, then the Jets might be in a little bit of scramble mode. Regardless, they do have a bunch of young up-and-coming centers. Uh, Jack Rozovic is definitely up-and-coming. Matthew Pro has played a lot of center in his career as well. So there are options for centers going forward. Adam Lowry maybe gets bumped up the depth chart a little bit. There are options moving forward. The point of this to say is that maybe Little and Stastny aren't so far off than what some people think, but we'll have to wait and see for next season. Right. It'll be a lot different when these guys get two or three years down the road when they're a little bit older. Right. My point was just that, yes, Brian Little isn't as bad as we think he is. He had kind of a down season, but really over the last few, his numbers are actually pretty good. And with so many promising players, if the Jets can give him a little bit better uh, line mates, uh, he didn't have the greatest line mates at times this last season compared to who he has played with in the past. Well, that's one thing I want to touch on quickly because Brian Little played between Ehlers and Line a for a lot of the season. And when Stastny came in, he just moved into that role as well between Ehlers and Line a and looked fantastic. But if you actually run most of the numbers, Ehlers playing with Little and Perot had fantastic numbers throughout the season. So if you put Little in the middle, Perot on one side, Ehlers on the other, Ehlers on the other, they had fantastic numbers, uh, 60% Corsi, 60% goals for, 60% expected goals for, pretty much every metric they were fantastic in, those three. So maybe that's a combination for a little moving forward. Stick a guy like Perot instead of Line on that other wing, because Perot's more of a play driver, has great advanced stats, and then you can work the other lines from there. So I think you can definitely work around Brian Little it might just not be between Ehlers and Line A like we saw Stastny. Exactly, and that's just what I wanted to remind people, that Brian Little isn't that bad of player 
he just didn't look that great compared to the hot play of Stastny when coming over. And you always look good coming over in a fresh, or not, but sometimes you can look good in a fresh situation and all of a sudden get hot in a new environment. But looking at who the Winnipeg Jets did sign, and now Brian Morrow, uh, he's, <laughs> Brian Morrow, Joe Morrow, he signed a while ago, and we already covered that in the last podcast, but the Winnipeg Jets uh, in the most recent free agency period only made one signing, and that is Laurent Brassois. And I was practicing to make sure I could say his name. Uh, your thoughts on the signing? I'm a little bit confused. I mean, yes, the Winnipeg Jets needed a backup goalie. They shipped away Steve Mason. They also lost Michael Hutchinson in free agency, signing with Florida. So now the issue I have with this is what do you do? So you lose your backup. What do you do? You have a capable AHL goaltender in Eric Comrie looking to maybe make the jump to the NHL next season. That's a viable option. He's had great numbers throughout his career. A lot of people say Comrie is actually the best goalie in the organization. Maybe it's time for him to make the jump into the NHL as a full backup role. That's one option. The other option is you go out and sign a legitimate backup goalie, maybe a guy with veteran experience, a guy who can back up Hellebuck, and if things happen to go a little bit poorly for Hellebuck, a guy who can kind of stabilize the crease. I think Steve Mason would have been great in this role just if you paid him 2 or $3 million less. And now the Winnipeg Jets go out and get Brassois, who has hardly had any seasons in the NHL. He's bounced back and forth between the AHL and NHL. He's not a veteran by any means. Essentially, for me, he gives no stability in the crease if things happen to go south. There is no backup plan for the Winnipeg Jets. No, I, uh, I'm i right there with you. Uh, it kind of was one of those things where I think the Winnipeg Jets are just trying to save a couple of bucks. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, they are going to, I think, planning with rolling a very high percentage. And they did a lot this last season, a lot of Connor Hellebuck. And so now they just wanted to bring in a cheap backup option, but losing Hutchinson, they needed somebody in their AHL system as well. And so Brassois is a guy who can play either in the NHL or the AHL, and they can move him back and forth depending on who's playing well, and they can get Comrie up. Or I think it's going to be a competition in training camp. And now somebody also pointed this out as well. Eric Comrie has had a lot of hype around him. There's been a lot of people talking about how great he is, but some people have, or I just recently saw a post or two about people knocking Eric Comrie a little bit, that he might not be as good as everybody's thinking. Now, he has played well at times for the Manitoba Moose, and depending on which stats you weigh or you put the most value in, but Eric Comrie, his AHL numbers don't necessarily blow you away. Uh, We saw this last year with the Manitoba Moose. He had a 916 save percentage, which is actually uh, pretty good. Uh, In the playoffs, his save percentage dropped to 908. So not the greatest numbers. Uh, With the Manitoba Moose last season, so not this last one, but the one prior, he had a 906 save percentage. The year before that, he had a 907. Uh, Then with the St. John's Ice Caps in a very small sample size. We're not even going to cover that. But really, two years with the Manitoba Moose, didn't have that great in numbers. Last year was a little bit better. Maybe you could say his team in front of him got better. Well, I think that's the biggest thing. Probably. The, the Moose of two, three, four years ago were not good teams by any stretch. Uh, put up respectable numbers. He would have been about 20 at the time behind a very poor Manitoba Moose team. And I think that's why people were excited about those numbers. And yes, maybe a 906, 907 aren't that great. This past season a little bit better. He's older. The team's a bit better at a 916. I, I think that's maybe a little bit closer to what his numbers could be. But uh, you look at Lauren Laurent Brossois, his numbers aren't much better, if better at all. If you look at his NHL numbers, 
they're actually quite bad. In, in 2015, in over five games, he had an 873 save percentage. In 2016, 2017, he kind of actually played well for a stretch. In eight games, he had a 928 save percentage. Uh, in 2017-18, he had played 14 games, had an 883 save percentage. That's not good. And the most recent season in the AHL, in 29 games, he had a 912 save percentage. So the NHL save percentages do not blow you away at all. His AHL save percentages are okay or average at best. He's not going to be a guy that's going to ever remotely challenge Hellebuck. And I think he's going to be fighting for the backup role with Comrie for kind of the guy who's backing up or with the moose going forward. See, now I look at it as just his AHL numbers. The NHL Edmonton Oilers are terrible. And they're calling up a young prospect goalie for very small sample sizes. And you only get at max 14 games last season. That's still a pretty small sample size. I look at the bigger numbers where he's getting 53 starts, 31, 21, 29. And his save percentage in the AHL over the last four seasons, 918, 920, 908. And then this last year back up to 912. Those are pretty decent numbers. For an AHL goaltender. And again, he's playing with the Edmonton Oilers farm team. And we all know they haven't had the best defense over the years. I don't know about their AHL team, but I know with the big club, not so much. And I remember actually reading an article a couple of years ago about Brassois. And when Edmonton traded for him from Calgary, there were some people who were pretty high on him. They said, oh yeah, this is going to be a great goaltender. He's six foot three. He's going to be our guy. They were very excited. And then it just never really a panned out. He never really made the big club. So I heard some good things about him way back then. Of course, a lot can change. Prospects develop differently. I'm still holding out a little bit of hope because I know we always say goaltenders are voodoo. Who knows what's going to happen with him? Maybe he has a really hot camp and maybe he plays better in Winnipeg with different defense in front of him. Well, exactly. I hope so. That, I hope that, he's going to have to. That definitely could be it. And I think it'll be kind of a battle for the backup situation definitely. between him and Comrie. I think that's what it's kind of pointing towards. I think Michael Hutchinson could have been a viable backup as well uh, for the NHL. But regardless, he's out in Florida. The Winnipeg Jets, you never know what they're going to do for that other goalie spot. I think it should be, obviously, it's going to be one of those two guys going forward. If the Winnipeg Jets just stand pat for the rest of the free agency in regards to goalies, then we'll definitely see that battle uh, come September for that role in training camp. All right, so the last segment, uh, we've already touched on basically everything the Jets have done, and it hasn't been a whole lot compared to some teams, the way they've been signing players. The Jets made a pretty pretty big trade. They didn't sign Paul Stastny. They signed Laurent, Laurent Brossois. And so now, uh, what do you think the Jets should be doing going forward? Obviously, a lot of RFAs still left, and I don't even want to begin debating what all of these guys are going to be making potentially. Uh, obviously, with arbitration and all that kind of thing still to come, I think the Winnipeg Jets probably aren't going to get to arbitration with these guys. They're probably all going to sign before that. I think that's the goal, at least for the big guys anyways. Uh, the hope would be for Truba, Hellebach, Morrissey uh, to just get deals done. And I think that's going to happen for all those guys uh, it might be some of those depth guys. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but I think the Winnipeg Jets are are content with free agency. Obviously, they would have liked to have Paul Stastny. Uh, if you look at the group of free agents left, there's nobody I think that really fits for the roster. Uh, right now, Patrick Maroon is kind of the big name being thrown around. I don't think the Winnipeg Jets try to go after him. He might be actually a decent depth option, maybe a, an upgraded Sean Mathias type situation, a guy like him. But not the money he's going to want. But not for the money. And, and I mean, the Jets did free up some cap space. If you're looking for a, a suitable left-handed defenseman, 
maybe if you don't think Kulikov is going to stay healthy, there's guys like Dan Hamus available. Um, Toby Enstrom's actually still on the free agent list, kind of awaiting if yeah, Toby Enstrom's going to go somewhere else. We'll cover that maybe throughout summer. But I think the Winnipeg Jets are fine. And the reason why I think that, if you look at their roster, they still have essentially a full group of forwards. Um, just kind of the lines for most of last year was Connor Shifley-Wheeler, Line A little Ehlers. They still have all those six guys. Pro, Roslevic, and then you can put a guy, Patan or Dano, one of those press box guys, into that third line role. And then you still have Tanev Lowry Kopp as your fourth line. So the only guy leaving is Armia out of that lineup. And you stick in Patan or Dano to fill that role. And, and those were the lines before Stastny came in. Exactly. And that was the team who was challenging for number one in the division before Stastny came in. A lot of people forget that the Jets were good before that trade. Exactly. It's not that Stastny all of a sudden made the Jets from a playoff team or from a non-playoff team to a playoff team. They were good. They were near the top of the division all year for a good chunk of the season before that even happened. So I'm right there with you. The Jets don't need to sign anybody. They don't need to make any more big trades as far as I'm concerned. But how would this be, though, if the Jets all of a sudden have $4 million worth of cap space heading into the start of this season? Do you think all of a sudden, man, we kind of wish we had... Stat or Mason back? I don't think so. It's Here's tough. the chance. We could re-sign Mason. Now that he's cleared waivers and all that's gone, we could re-sign Mason at a cheaper deal. Uh, I mean, you technically could. There's actually quite a few goalies on the market right now. If the Jets are looking for a veteran backup, like I was talking about before, which might be the only piece essentially left, you could just then have Brassois and Comrie rocking it for the Manitoba Moose. I think the veteran guy you would want to sign, could be signed for $1 to $2 million. That might be the only guy left maybe for the Winnipeg Jets. And so now, so both of us agreeing the Winnipeg Jets to just kind of stand pat. That pretty much does it for the podcast here today. If there's ever anything you want us to talk about, hit us up on Twitter. We are at Jets and Podcast. Uh, thanks to everybody who was commenting. Uh, Paul saying, uh, pretty easy to see that the Jets made the right decision on Stastny. He's good, but not what Vegas paid him good, especially at his age. Just means Shifley and Little are our one-two centers, and Rozovic will step up right there with you. We are agreeing based on what we've said already on the podcast here today. And so, of course, we are going to probably go to a little bit of a lighter schedule for summer, probably go to every other week. But, of course, if there is anything you want us to touch on or highlight, hit us up on Twitter. Best way to get a hold of us. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.